Hi everyone, my name is Ishan and this is the Build Your Talent Stack podcast. I started my career feeling like I needed to fit in and now I shape my own career opportunities. And together with the guests I feature on this podcast, we share how we challenge the status quo in how we learn, connect with an aligned tribe who gets us and shape our own jobs. And in many cases, these are jobs that didn't exist before. Get ready to be inspired to explore creative ways to learn, future-proof your talent stack and forge your own path in the future of work in a way that brings out your personality and your zone of genius. Hi everyone, it's Ishan here. Guess what? I recently discovered I have a twin on LinkedIn. We are both Gen Y. We both work in the financial services industry in Melbourne. We have our creative passions. We both have a podcast on career development. And we discovered we even live in the same postcode. At least for a few more weeks anyway. Her name is Amelia Novakovic. Amelia is a proud Gen Y marketing professional with 10 years of experience across a range of industries. She is currently a consultant for Vanguard Investments Australia, a global investments fund manager, and has previously worked for the ANZ Bank, Avon Cosmetics, and the Royal Far West Children's Charity. Originally from Sydney, Amelia and her husband have called Melbourne home for the past four and a half years, with plans to tread further abroad in 2020. In today's episode, Amelia shares how she navigates big decisions in her career, how creative writing and podcasting has helped her career and personal brand, and how to leverage your creative passions to shape opportunities. Forgive me for all the times I say yes on the episode because I really couldn't help myself. So much of what Amelia shares really resonates with me and it's just so refreshing to meet another go-getter who's shaping their biggest chapter yet. I hope you enjoy today's chat with Amelia as much as I did. Hi, Amelia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Could you give us a quick intro about yourself and what you are passionate about? Well, hi, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Like this is really exciting for me personally. And just a thank you to all of your listeners who have tuned in. Like I am so humbled that you're here to listen to this chat between us. It means so much to me. Um, in terms of introducing myself, I think I should start with my full name. <laughs> uh, my full name is Amelia Novakovic. And I think in terms of my career, like the best introduction, or the best way I can describe myself is that I'm a Gen Y marketer. I have roughly 10 years of experience. I've worked across a whole bunch of different industries. So financial services, uh, FMCG uh, in cosmetics, the not-for-profit sector and in broadcast media. And currently I'm a consultant for Vanguard Investments in Australia. So 
one of the largest fund managers in the world. And uh, I've previously worked for the ANZ Bank, uh, Avon Cosmetics uh, in Asia Pacific and the Royal Far West Children's Charity. I, I think in terms of like introducing myself at a personal level, I have been living here in Melbourne for four and a half years, but I am not really a Melbourneian. <laughs> I am a Sydney girl. I grew up in Manly, so a beachside town on Sydney's northern beaches. Uh, it's quite a popular spot, a really big tourist destination. And I'm also a Piscean, so you can only imagine I love the beach. I love being uh, by the ocean and it's a really like happy place for me. It's where I kind of return to when I need a bit of solace and time and you know relaxing time and in terms of you know my personal life I got married in late 2018 to my husband John and I I have a bit of a fun fact I come from a very tall family like very tall um I'm one of two so I have a brother he is six foot five I'm six foot and my parents are very tall as well so I am the second tallest now I've just beat my dad because he's shrinking so uh, I am yeah very very tall so people often get shocked when they meet me they're like wow you're very giant hi um and I think you know at a kind of you know what I like doing when I'm not at work kind of space and what my passions are I'm I think I'm a really creative person and a lot of the things I love are in that creative space I uh, I was a dancer in my early life, so I was a ballet dancer for 18 years uh, in my wow. teenage years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, being tall probably wasn't the best choice of hobby, but um, I loved it. My mum's family are all dancers and in the performing arts, so I'm very theatrical, <laughs> and I I love reading and writing and um, art and storytelling, and that kind of is where I find a, a lot of my relaxation as well. In terms of hobby and I'm not sure for your listeners who are familiar with uh, there's a thinking preference framework called HBDI and I remember doing this exercise a few years ago and I am off the Richter scale yellow like I am crazy the guy (laughs) Dave Lords who did the did the assessment he was like Amelia I have never seen a score this large like you are off the off the scale so I'm really really I'm really visual in what I do and I'm always doing a million things at once. Like I'm always busy. I always have a project and and I need lots of things to keep me going. (laughs) I love that you shared your HBDI score because I did a quick and dirty (laughs) version and I came out yellow, but I I don't know. Uh, it was quick and dirty, like it was just more, you know, I just eyeballed the um, statements and just see which mm. one uh, resonated with me the most. But I think, um, I think, yeah, to truly understand where you are, you've got to do the full test. Um, but yeah, mm. it's so funny that you're off the chart. I would so <laughs> recommend you do the exercise. For me, it was like, honestly, career changing in understanding myself because I went, oh my God, that's my brain on a page. That is my natural skill set. And it tells you where you flex into when you're under pressure as well. And I completely swing into kind of the red zone. So I'm really emotional in my decision making, (laughs) um, which is quite, so I'm completely on the right hand side of the brain, but it was amazing doing it as a team because you see what all your colleagues are like and it helps you communicate with each other better. So cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> yeah, like do the proper assessment. Yeah. Basically. Do it properly. Yeah, yeah. it's the best. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now for the benefit of the audience, um, 
Some people ask me, how do I meet all of these guests on the show? So um, just to share the backstory, um, one day I sat on my lunch break and I thought, hmm, I want to find more podcasters um, in Melbourne. And I just went through LinkedIn and just to see who's out there, who's Melbourne-based. Um, and what really struck out to me about you is that there are many podcasters, but not many who also work in similar industries like myself um, <laughs> and also focus the podcast in um, in career development. So I was like, yes, twins. <laughs> I have to reach out. And um, within the first few minutes of hearing your story about um, the themes that have run through your career journey and also how you like to keep that creative um, you know skill going in, um, as a way to stretch yourself with each project I thought I had to bring you here oh. and share your story <laughs> thank you um, now you started your career as an intern um, supporting copywriting and production for Australia's highest rating programs like a current affair morning show today tonight um, and then as you shared in your intro your you then branched out into marketing um, across FMCG, not-for-profit advertising, and more recently, financial services. I'd love for you to share what was actually going through your mind as you were making each career move in deciding what each of your next steps should be. Because, you know, what people see is the, <laughs> on the surface, right? They're like, wow, yeah. you've had this amazing career. But yeah. it's all very well and good to talk about it, you know, after the fact, right? But the reality <laughs> is most of us are dealing with the next step at any given time. So what can you take us back through some of the thought process around how you made it? Of course. Yeah. Of course. This this is such a good question. And I have to be honest, it's a really tricky one as well. So good on you. This is a, a good question to ask. <laughs> it, it really got me thinking. And what's kind of funny is I actually... I journal a lot. So I journal every day and I've done that for a very long time. Sometimes I get a bit slack and I drop the ball, but, but yes. generally I journal. And so I have kind of reflected back through what I actually thought at the time. And hopefully as I kind of chat through this, we can, um, you know, obviously touch on those points of what I was thinking and feeling. Uh, but I think, you know, when I think about the course of my career as a whole and look at it very holistically from where I started and where I am now, I, I think there are kind of three key moments that have really shaped me and they've shaped me professionally but also personally as well. And I think when I reflect on it, the common thread when I'm looking back with hindsight is each of those decisions and each of those moments have really helped me develop a very strong sense uh, of self-awareness and being very connected with myself. I, you know, I often hear kind of people say things like, oh, I I followed my gut with that with that career opportunity and you know that is scientifically proven that you know your gut has so many billions of neurons and it helps you make decisions but for me I've never connected with that you know I never think oh I just followed my gut uh, when I think about each choice I've made I really feel that it's a bit of a connection between lots of different things. I think my intuition, so the gut is part of it and that's kind of where it starts. Um, but for me, I've then really had to reflect on 
where is like my mind and body at? How do I feel kind of as a total person? And Mm -hmm. the other component is really kind of staying connected with the people in my life who are really important, who can give me that feedback and be that sounding board. So if I'm saying things like, oh, I'm not sure what I'm doing or how I'm feeling, they really help me also reach that point of change. So it's kind of my intuition, my whole self, and then Mm -hmm. really kind of connecting with people uh, both in my personal network and in my professional network, which for me is one whole big network. I don't sort of split myself between work and life. Uh, But in terms of those three big moments, I think the first big shift for me in my career it actually came very early on while I was still at uni. Uh, and as you mentioned in, in that question, it was so fun hearing um, all of my experience kind of in one blurb. It's really unusual. <laughs> um, but, you know, as you mentioned, I, I started my career while I was still studying. So I was at the University of Technology in Sydney and I was convinced that I wanted to be a journalist. That was what I was going to be. I loved writing and I was going to be on TV as a journalist in some capacity. And so in my first year studying my degree, I I really went hard. You know, I interned for Channel 7 and Channel 9 in mm-hmm. my first year. And as you mentioned, that was with very high rating programs like Current Affair and The Morning Show uh, and The Today Show. So I had an amazing insight straight away into what the industry was that I thought I wanted to be in. And if I'm really honest with myself and when I reflected back on my journals, my goal was to get a head start. So I was being a little mm-hmm. bit competitive, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, with myself and, and with everybody else I was studying with. I thought I'm going to get the head start and I'm going to be in a great position by the time I finish. But what was so interesting is that instead of doing these internships and falling in love with journalism, I realized that maybe I wasn't really cut out for it. And this was Mm. that first moment of self-realization. I was in it and I was experiencing it and I had to kind of connect with myself in the moment because Mm. I looked around and I was like, okay, so to be an amazing journalist, I have to be obsessed with this, I think with any career, uh, Mm -hmm. but particularly with this because it's so demanding and you have to love chasing the story Mm. and you need to have the right personality to thrive in that environment in the newsroom or on the TV floor. It's full on. Mm. And I just went, hmm, it was that first moment in my first year at uni. I went, I don't know if I'm quite in love with this, but I'm going to keep going. And so I finished my first year of my degree, uh, which I was majoring in journalism at the time. And then in my second year, I started interning for MTV and I did a much longer program with them. So I think it was about eight months from memory. And I interned with the talent and artist relations division, which was very cool. I felt very cool at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, we were working with the talent at MTV, with musicians, with actors, and it was really amazing. Uh, But I think for me, it was the blend of two things. It was being in a TV kind of media environment, but not being a journalist. So I was working on crafting press releases and helping Ah, with events and managing the talent. And what I started to learn over those months in my second year at uni was, I think I liked, and I learned that I liked creating the story more than I liked chasing it. So I loved that I could see a, a media personality come out and it was my job to find a way to make that interesting. So to find a hook. And I really got interested in that. So I 
just sort of sat on that for a bit. As I mentioned, I was in the in the program for a few months and I gradually got to the point where I went, you know what, I'm going to change my major. I don't want to be a journalist. I know that now in my gut. I've sat on it for a bit mm. and I'm realizing that the feedback I'm getting is I'm much stronger at making the story than chasing it. So I shifted my whole focus. I brought in more public relations topics, marketing subjects, and I shifted, you know, in my second year to quite a different degree. Um, writing was still very much what I was doing, but I brought in these extra little bits that could kind of make it a rounder experience into this new area that I was interested in. Mm. And in my third year at uni, I started working four days a week, which to some people sounds crazy. So I studied full time and I worked four days a week uh, in a marketing manager job for a charity called the Royal Far West. And it was at that point in my third year when I was working in marketing, doing everything. In a charity, you do everything. (laughs) I was doing marketing, digital, the press office, events. And I thought, oh, I I feel like I'm home. This This is me. And so I finished uni with this, you know, quite a a cool kind of array of experience, but I really finished with a strong sense of, I know that I'm stronger and happier doing marketing than I am being a journalist. So that was the first big shift. It really happened early on. And I was like, nope, I'm not being a journalist. I'm going to pursue marketing. Mm. And that kind of shifted then, I think, when I'm reflecting into another kind of second big moment. And that happened for me when I graduated. So I graduated with quite a bit of experience for someone who was, I was 19 when I graduated, yeah. or 20 when I graduated, so yeah. quite young. Um, I started uni, I'm, I'm young for my year, so I started when I was 17, and so I finished a year younger. And so I started working for Avon Cosmetics the first day after I graduated, and um, that was, uh, to me, my time with Avon Cosmetics in head office uh, was the most defining and the most transformative time of my career. I'm eternally grateful um, for that business because it has made me a stronger marketer but also it it increased my sense of self-awareness even more Uh, and it made me really connect with again what I wanted and it constantly shifts Um, as you'll hear from my story I'm always changing so I I started yeah you know as I mentioned I I started at Avon and for the first two years I initially started as a digital coordinator and I then became a digital specialist so I worked across marketing, sales and digital for the brand. And that job was amazing. I learned everything hands-on. So I was across lots of business units. I was developing my skills commercially and creatively. And what it gave me was this amazing, uh, I I guess I want to call it an advantage, but I had a job that gave me a vantage point to see all the things that we were doing really well as a business but also the opportunities that we had. Avon, I think, as many people might know listening, is a legacy brand. It's 150 years old or maybe older now, um, and it's a household name. So there are so many things they were doing incredibly from a product standpoint, but there were so many things we could do to enhance the brand with younger audiences, um, which I was. And so a really interesting moment happened in my second year with Avon. We had a leadership change. So the business was in enormous change at that point in time to catch up with the digital transformation happening in retail. And our CEO uh, decided to leave and a new CEO was announced, um, a female CEO and the first female CEO for the brand in Australia and New Zealand. So this was a big moment. 
And as part of her leadership change, she announced she was bringing in a head of communications role that had never existed. Mm. And to be honest, when I reflect on my career, this is the moment that changed everything. I remember seeing the email come through and I went, I am so unqualified for that job, but that job sounds amazing. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> your gut feels yeah. <laughs> so I went, you know what? I I have some ideas. I have insight that I think is useful on some level. And I think my perspective is unique. And I think the CEO could take something out of that, even if it's one little morsel. I, I want to help this company be amazing. And so, and I love the brand so much. I still do to this day. And I think I sat there going, I'm going to apply. I know I'm not going to get this job, but what I might get is a pity coffee. Maybe the CEO will say, <laughs> <laughs> well done for applying. That was really gutsy. Um, let's have a coffee and, you know, I'll just give you some feedback is what I genuinely thought I would get out of it. Maybe a tiny promotion when it got to year review, again, for being gutsy. Uh, but I never in a million years thought that I would get that job. And I think it, when, I, when I reflect, like, it's actually quite crazy <laughs> uh, because I didn't think anything would happen. And, you know, even as the rounds of interviews kept going, I had to do five rounds um, to, to get the role. Five? Yeah, <laughs> five rounds. Um, and every round I thought, you know what, they're going to drop me. They're just carrying me through because I work here and I've been here a few years and they want to make me feel like I'm, you know, mm-hmm. doing something interesting. But as I got further and further and I got to the final interview and it was myself and someone else, that's when the penny dropped that, oh, wow, I'm meeting the CEO and we're having a meeting and we're going to talk about whether I'm the right fit. And that was crazy. (laughs) Um, But I got the job, which um, is still to this day crazy in my mind. I was 22 at the time and I became an executive. So the role uh, reported directly to the CEO Mm -hmm. and it had reporting lines into Asia Pacific and globally as well. And this is a Fortune 500 business, you know, 150 years old, a household name. I, you know, was announced as the youngest executive in the company's history. There was all of this stuff about it. It was full on. Um, And, you know, reflecting now that shift and that change was the most incredible and the most daunting and the most crazy uh, moment in my career. And it's changed every moment since. I think you know, for any of your listeners, the way to kind of think about it is the change was overnight. So I already worked in the business and overnight mm. I was announced and mm. I had to move from my hot desk into an executive office. It had a door, which was really weird for me. I've never had a door in my career. <laughs> I had an executive assistant. Um, I then became the boss of the team I had been part of, which was really, really challenging. And it pushed me so hard to learn more about myself, the way I am as a leader and how to be a better leader. Uh, But the learning curve, and I've written, you know, in my notes, it was a massive learning curve, but I think that's an understatement. It was transformative uh, Mm. in in what it's done for me personally and professionally. And, you know, I, I learnt a lot. I saw, I've explained it to friends and my network, like I got to be inside the crystal ball in my career. I got to see 20 years ahead when I was 22 and I got to be in it, which is a huge moment, but it's very full on as I'm sure um, I hope many of your listeners can can kind of empathize with. And I went from working a normal job to then becoming this big role and it was mm. 80 to 100 hours a week. I was always traveling. I was very, very 
you know, working very, very hard because I was very, very, you know, uh, out of my depth, I think is the, the kind way to say that. And mm. my peers in my team had all been doing this for 20 years and I was stepping into it in a very different capacity and I was meant to bring something very different to the team, which I learned through my mm. two years in the role. But I found myself doing well professionally, but what I realized was I wasn't doing so well personally. I was giving everything I had to my job. And I I, am so lucky I learned that, you know, between the age of 22 and 24, that that is not sustainable. And I think the decision to leave Avon was, was really challenging because I loved my team. I loved the brand and I loved the role. And it was extraordinary in a positive and in a challenging way. And I think at that point in my career, after two years in that, in that job, I, I had to self-reflect and I had to take account. And I looked at those three components that I mentioned earlier. I thought, how am I feeling intuition-wise? Mm, yeah. How is my body and my mind going? How is my personal life? And what is my network telling me? And I think they, they are the three things I connected to come to the decision to leave. You know, I learned that I loved the creative and strategic element of the role. I loved the leadership kind of responsibility that came with it and that custodian, um, you know, honour that you're given in that kind of position that you have to kind of, you have to love it at every level and it's so special. And I also loved being a people leader and I learned that out of the role. But then I also learned that you can't give your best work when you have no balance. And I think balance is a very controversial word, but I believe in it wholeheartedly. I think you can only do extraordinary work when all the parts of your life are at least feeling okay. I think the seesaw will swing. I think when we start new jobs or when we're in a little bit in over our head, which is a good thing, sometimes the work gets a little bit more on the seesaw, but I think you can't completely give up your personal life in order to be successful professionally. And that's the biggest learning I took out of it. So that was sort of going through my head at that point that, you know, I needed to make a big change in order to have a sustainable career. And so the final big shift has come in more recent years. I, as I mentioned, I've been in Melbourne now for four and a half years. So uh, I actually left Avon, I moved to Melbourne and I started working for the ANZ Bank. And at the time, and this is again in my journals, um, I remember thinking that I needed change on lots of different levels. And I wanted a new challenge, uh, both from an industry level, I mean, banking is such an interesting space, and a new city. I think at a very basic level, I really wanted the adventure of not being in my hometown. And leaving Sydney was harder than I'd like to admit, like it's only an hour away, but (laughs) when you have no network here and you have no friends and you've left the place that you've grown up, I think that's a really big moment. And I, I didn't anticipate ever being here in Melbourne as long as I've been here. <laughs> I originally came to ANZ on a three-month contract and I thought I'd move back to Sydney. Uh, but after six months, I had to ring John and say, I think I'm going to be staying. Uh, so we'll need to reassess how this is all going. But uh, he eventually moved to Melbourne um, in that exact same time period. And we've obviously made a really great life for ourselves here and we love it. Uh, but, you know, being at ANZ, it's a, a big four bank. It's a retail and a business bank. Uh, you are also in financial services. Yeah. So, I, yep. you know, I think it's, I hope you agree with me, but for me being in a bank, it sharpened my skill set beyond what I can imagine. I have got more out of working in banking than I ever thought I would get as a marketer. 
I think you are surrounded by the best talent in the country. I think these banks, they have to attract the best because they service millions of customers in Australia. Um, I believe ANZ, I think it was three or four million, I can't quite remember, but lots of lots of clients and customers. And yeah. you have this huge responsibility, even That's at right. a micro level, That's in a right. big business like that, you have a lot of responsibility when it's people's money. And that made me better at what I do. Yeah. Um, so over the last four years, my focus has really been on deepening my talent stack. Um, I love your concept of the talent stack, by the way. It's so clever. Um, but for me, it's it's about deepening and broadening. And I've learned a lot as a marketer in a bank. I had to get really well accustomed and comfortable with data, which I'd never had to before. I worked mm. with data scientists and analysts and had them in my um, agile team, so in my scrum. So it was amazing to learn from people at that caliber and to learn a whole new language around what I did. So in terms of digital driven marketing and enterprise level marketing, automation, marketing technology and capability, like it just it took my skill set to a whole new level uh, and it deepened me in certain um, specialities within marketing. So my below the line and customer marketing has become so much stronger. My through the line marketing, my above the line marketing, all of it um, got sharper when I was at ANZ and I was so lucky. I, I worked on incredible campaigns. I was on the team that helped launch Apple Pay into Australia, oh, which really? was huge. Yes. So I was uh, part of that team and we then carried it through into the customer experience in a BAU sense. And I was also, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, but also not sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of other components, I worked on the new ANZ app that's just recently gone into market, I think last year. So I got this amazing experience across a traditional kind of marketing skill set, a data and data component, and you know then the tech aspect, which I also learnt uh, working with you know developers and designers and the production side of things. So it made me the best marketer I could be at the moment, and I'm so grateful for that time. And I think the best thing I took out of ANZ above that is balance. And I obviously mentioned that in my last um, mm. role that I had had before. ANZ taught me that you can be very successful and you can be very healthy and happy outside of work at the same time. And I will carry that with me wherever I go. So that for me has been a really big mindset shift is valuing that and putting, you know, a real effort on maintaining that in my life. Uh, I think, you know, at the moment and at this point, like right now as I talk to you, you know, sitting here in the Vanguard yeah. office, um, I think for me it, I'm really I'm really thinking about, you know, how do I define success? That's my next big question in my yes. mind and it's something I'm still working through. But, I yeah, know. I think I think it's something and – I'm, and I'm a Gen Y, so of course I'm thinking about my success, and my, you know, my potential as, as Gen Y are defined. But, <laughs> uh, but I think my, you know, my key kind of – reflection point at the moment is getting more comfortable with owning my natural skill set. I am, you know, very much in that creative space. I'm not numerically very gifted. I'm not, um, I, I'm not a numbers person at all. I dropped maths in year 10, so it's not my speciality and I don't like it. And I think now I'm learning to be more confident to say, you know, I'm really strong at something because it's my natural skill set and I'm going to flex into that mm. instead of constantly chasing competencies that are difficult and it's not to say I don't chase that of course you know the data at ANZ and learning that was amazing 
but it's not my happy place. And so it's about balancing that for me now and really valuing that being creative is valuable and, you know, also becoming better at being open about my goals outside of work. And um, I think we'll talk about this in the session, (laughs) but, you know, having a podcast series and being able to own the fact that I love writing and being honest about that uh, is something I'm going to try and work a lot harder on in the next few years. So, um, yeah, that's sort of me in a nutshell. Wow. <laughs> My defining moments and what I was thinking. Yeah, well, dear diary. Yeah. <laughs> well, literally, it was because you've journaled it all was. throughout. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I find really amazing about your story is that. Um, is how you describe how you um, use, you know, combine your intuition, what your network's telling you, what your mind and body are telling you, um, because it's very confusing when you only look at one of those three things um, mm. and make a decision based on um, without looking at the big picture. Um, and so, yeah, I really, I really liked um, your analogy of looking at that, those three things in your life and achieving balance across those three things. Um, and what I also liked about how you've approached each decision is that it's, it's a conscious decision around where you want to broaden, where you want to deepen uh, aspects of your talent stack. And then coming out of that, realizing that there is still room to move without steering too far away from your strengths, which is Mm. often um, something that people often wonder is, you know, am I avoiding things that I should really be stretching? (laughs) Um, Story of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I think the definition of success, especially when it comes to where it relates to, um, you know, the depth and breadth of your talent stack, that is a question, a real question that everybody's still figuring out for themselves. Mm. Um, and I'm not, but I really liked how you, but I think another thing that's coming out of that, and, and it's a segue for my next question, is that um, <laughs> you're consciously, you, you know, there are some things that you just go, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the topic <laughs> and the importance, but I don't really need to <laughs> go there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And instead, you're finding, flexing into complementary things that make mm. you a stronger marketer. Or, and maybe, you know, in the future, if you branch out into something else, you're preparing, diversifying oh, your creativity um, in other skills that may come handy. So I'm now going to ask you about creative writing because oh. <laughs> before before we um, jumped onto this podcast, you shared with me around how a lot of your interest started from a love for creative writing. Mm. And for those who, um, you know, also enjoy writing or want to be um, better writers or pursue this area as their form of creative outlet. Um, Mm. Could you share us what inspired that passion and how creative writing has helped you in your career? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think being really honest, uh, all great passions in life get for me, have been uh, encouraged by my mum. <laughs> so I can thank mum. Mum, mm, thank yes. you. If you're listening yeah. to the podcast, thank you. Um, I, I can thank my mum for my passion and my love of, of reading and writing. I, from a very young age, uh, my mum read a lot to me. I think there are photos of us, even as like a newborn, she's reading to me. And uh, she's always encouraged me to read a lot, write a lot, just explore 
this part of what I love. And mm. that for me, I, I'm always going to be so grateful um, to her for amongst many, many things. Uh, but it's funny. I mean, I think when I was seven, she reminded me of this the other day. I was seven or eight and I wanted to enter a short story competition that Nestle were running with like Milo or something. And um, I won the competition and I remember wow. that was a really, I didn't win anything. I think I won like a year's supply of Milo on Nestle, <laughs> um, but I was pumped. I was like, I've made it. Um, and my mum was like, you know, I think she's still got that framed or she's got it in the house somewhere. And um, uh, so for me, it's been a lifelong thing. And I've always come back to writing and reading as my happy place. Mm. And I think um, the, the question that you've asked me around, how has it helped me in my career? And how have I built those skills? I, I read a lot. And I think it comes back to that in many cases. I read a lot of fiction. I love women's fiction. I love autobiographies, biographies. I'm, you know, always reading. And I, I journal and I try to write every single day, whether I'm journaling like a dear diary sense or whether I'm just writing things I see or stories I want to get down on paper or ideas. I do try and get the pen to the paper every day. And so that practice and um, kind of repetition and habit is really important. I, I obviously studied, uh, as I mentioned, I studied writing at university. So it was um, very much a part of my tertiary education. And throughout high school, I dropped a lot of the scientific and math subjects <laughs> and I took up more English. So I think I did six units or five units of English. I did five units of history. I did drama. Wow. I did, you know, every, yes. I was very into the essay writing uh, more so than the Pythagoras theorem of maths. So um, writing has, has always been part of my education. And then in my career, I've been writing since I left uni. It's as a marketer, it's part of what you do. And I am lucky I, I can flex into copywriting. I think it makes my job a lot easier. It makes it easier to critique the work I'm looking at. And it means that I can do a lot more myself, which is always helpful. So uh, in terms of, you know, how I've built it and how I've learned it, uh, that's really um, that kind of narrative there. And I think in terms of why I think it's important, I think is the other aspect to this question. And I think writing is so important in our careers. And I think at a broader sense, communication and the way mm, we communicate yes. what we mean is so important. And I have seen it firsthand. I've experienced it firsthand, whether it's my own career where I'm witnessing other things in other people's careers uh, or even coaching team members through theirs often I think communication it comes back to communication mm. how they write how they speak how they hold themselves how they articulate the ideas that they want to get across um, I think that is what makes or breaks your career and that's just my personal opinion but at a you know using writing as an example here I think it, it can be as simple as you can write a great email. And I think in business, I think we send like 3 billion emails globally a day. That's how we communicate. Oh my God. So if you can write well and if you yes. can get to the point and if you can construct your argument and what you need and you can do it in a way that's able to adapt tone because obviously writing has no tone and that's why text messaging can come time, sometimes can suck. Yes. <laughs> uh, but when yeah. you can bring yourself into what you write, even at a daily level like an email, I, I think that can shift the dial on your career astronomically. I, you know, have worked with some amazing people, particularly at ANZ. I've got to work with a lot of talented consultants from BCG and Bain and all of these amazing companies. And uh, a contact of mine and a colleague and friend, Fergie, uh, she appeared on my show. Um, she is 
the greatest writer of emails I've ever seen. And I remember seeing her email and going, I want to help you off that email and I need to learn how you did that. Mm. How did you make that so easy for me to understand and to want to help and do? And so for me, a, a hot tip here is like, if you see someone doing something great and you want to learn that, just have a chat, have a coffee, just head over to their desk. And what happened for me with Fergie was she actually gave me a masterclass of how they, um, the BCG consulting firm train her in how to write. Really? And so I now have that. Yeah. So I now have that skill and I'm so grateful to her. Thank you, Fergie, if you're listening. Um, you know, so little tips like that. If you can write well, you can get what you want a little bit easier. And we need that in business to have pace. So um, yeah, if it's a killer email or you're trying to um, you know, endorse a much larger idea, whether that be a commercial-wide strategy or a national campaign or whatever that is, if you can write and communicate well, I think you'll get a better outcome is sort of my general advice there and what I personally feel. Um, I think, you know, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I, I think writing is something I've always loved and that makes it a little bit easier to be better at it because I love reading and I love doing it. So that's always helpful. Um, not so good at maths and therefore don't do a lot of it. Therefore not that great at it. <laughs> uh, but I think just, yeah, like at a general sense, yeah. I think for anyone listening, if they want to be a good writer, I think you need to be a good reader. And um, that's kind of the key tip there. And I think practice and seeking feedback is really important. Uh, but yeah, at a total level, I think that's, how I've learned writing and, and why I think it's important. So tell me, Amelia, what's next <laughs> in terms of your creative writing outlets? Oh what else gosh. would you like to explore? This is a scary question for me, to be really honest. I think, um, you know, as I mentioned, writing's been very important to getting me to where I am now. And now as I sort of look forward and as I'm trying to learn how to redefine my own success uh, beyond my corporate career or as part of my corporate career. Um, oh, it's so scary to say out loud, but I, I would really love and I'm working really hard at the moment to finish uh, the first draft of my first book. Uh, <gasps> so, yeah, <laughs> it's so scary to say it out loud. Really, it is. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm about three quarters of the way through the first draft. That's amazing. I'm hoping, yeah. oh, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it will be a women's fiction title. That's how I've um, positioned it. And um, at the moment, it's the longest thing I've ever written. So I don't know if your listeners know, but I think the average book in this particular genre is 85,000 words, which is a lot oh of words. God, yes. So I'm three quarters of the way there on that target. And it's just the most amazing challenge and I just love coming back to it and adding and editing and you know thinking about where I want the story to go next so um, I'm really hoping to finish uh, that manuscript this year and just see where that can take me but I would love yeah. to be published but I think um, that's a very very big goal and hopefully I can chip away at that slowly <laughs> but yes. hopefully get there one day <laughs> yeah well I know a couple of people who have um, well one's gone through a publishing house and the other one's mm. Um, mm. done it on her own self published um yes so yeah you can absolutely do it I'm, I'm so excited for you because oh thank uh, you so much <laughs> yeah because you hear a lot of people who want to do it and you're actually doing it <laughs> so oh look it's good I don't you. often it, oh thank you so much it's it's a lot and I've, I've done it um while I've been working I took a very short sabbatical last year and I really focused on writing for three months um and that was just awesome to kind of confirm that I love it and I want to do this mm. and this is a really big um passion and I hope a big part of my future so um yeah thank you it's so nice to say it out loud and have such a positive uh, reception so thank you <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. To sum up, what would you say are the key things that you've learned about yourself throughout your career? Um, I think, oh gosh, I've learned a lot <laughs> um, and I'm still learning. So I never preach to have learned it all and I don't think anyone can. Uh, but I think the key thing to sum up is, particularly from the stories we've talked about, you know, my career is so different to what I thought I would be, you know, at as a, you know, in my late teens, I thought I would definitely be a journalist. And then, you know, I'm now in my late 20s and I'm a marketer in financial services who wants to be an author. So I'm kind of constantly always, always changing. And I think the main thing I've learned about myself is that I'm, I'm very versatile and I've had to mm. learn that and come to terms with, you know, congratulating myself on that because I'm not very good at uh, talking about my strengths. And so, understanding that I'm versatile is a big, big advantage. And I've also learned, I learn very, very quickly and I can take things on and I can figure it out. Again, I think that's been a really big learning for me and a big advantage now that I know that about myself. And I think over the last few years, more so specifically, I've really come to see that I have more transferable skills than I thought. You know, so if I think yes. of writing as an yeah. example, you know, yeah. being good at writing or loving writing means I can do so many things. And when I apply that mindset to every single skill that I've learned in the last 10 years, I'm like, oh my God, I can do anything. Re like really, that is true. And, and it's such an epiphany and it's such a light bulb moment. And it, it empowers me so much to go, actually, yeah, like if I want to go and do X, I can learn Y and I can become Z. And that's Fantastic. Yep. so exciting. But I think, again, being really honest, like I, I don't go into every day of my career like that. I, <laughs> I have days where I, <laughs> I have many, many days where I'm scared or I'm nervous or I'm stressed. And um, there are so many days where I feel out of my depth, even today. Uh, but I think that's what I have to keep chasing. I have to keep chasing feeling out of my depth and to keep stretching those transferable skills and learning more. And I've really learned that when I want to and when I think I can, I always step up. And, and it's that belief that I'm trying to learn and recognise in myself um, that has been a really big uh, learning for me in the last few years specifically. Uh, and I think just as a kind of general note, uh, I think you would have definitely talked about this on your show, but the power of networking. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. I, I can't underestimate or underline this enough. I think my network and building my network has been one of the most important reasons to my success to date and having this amazing circle of support who are there for you when you want to make changes or you need a sounding board is so special and it's i never take it for granted i think you know if i'm if i'm reflecting properly yeah my last two jobs came from my network and so mm. that you know 80 percent of jobs or i think 90 percent of jobs in australia aren't advertised so really, that network wow. is, yeah, yeah, it's super, super crucial. And more so than that, it's just the perspective it can give you when you think you might want to change or you think you just need to sound something out. They are the most amazing people to be able to lean on. Uh, I think, gosh, like in terms of writing and everything else, you know, as I've mentioned, that goal of being a published author is quite scary. And uh, for a long time, I have kept that to myself for the whole of my career. So for 10 years, I haven't told anybody that. And, you know, even now I'm struggling to sort of talk about it and I get embarrassed and I'm scared. And I think, you know, what will people think if I don't achieve it? And what if I don't no, get there? Yeah. And, 
it's that constant learning that I'm trying to tap into that, you know, it's okay to have a big dream and to say it and you never know where that conversation will go. And I think that's been a really big learning again in the last few years is being open and talking to people and telling them what you hope and dream of, it can actually get you there, <laughs> which yeah. has blown my mind. So, yeah, um, yeah learned a lot. <laughs> learning is the summary. <laughs> That's right. Well, speaking of network, it's not uh, mm. only helped you in your career, but also collaboration opportunities, <laughs> such as the Career Podcast. Tell us mm. more about the podcast that you created. Well, as a fellow podcaster, and I should say a fellow career podcaster, this is so fun to be able to talk to you about it yeah. uh, because you get you get what I've been through and I've you know created. Um, I think you know for me, my podcast career on coffee, it was really born out of a couple of different moments and thoughts. So like the first for me is I'm obsessed with podcasting on a personal level. Like as a medium, I love podcasts. I consume so much podcast content in a week. Mm. Uh, as a marketer, I'm fascinated by it as a channel. And the popularity of it in Australia is just astronomical. It has exploded. So I think I read something recently that like in the US, half of the population are listening to podcasts if not once regularly and then in Australia I think it's like nearly 40 percent um, are listening to up to six episodes a week which is mm, huge mm, in terms of yeah. consumption so it's a really unique medium it really interests me and I think it's so funny because I think wow like when I was in my late teens I didn't want to be a journalist because that environment wasn't for me but now I look at podcasting and I think I'm kind of scratching that itch a little bit, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm interviewing people, I'm tapping into that kind of um, transferable skill base around writing and research and production and editing and marketing and all of that jazz. Uh, so I think for me, the fact that it's a really democratised medium, it's all about the content, it's all about what you put into it and ultimately the success of a podcast is successful storytelling and interviewing, yes. which is so exciting exciting to me um, and I think you know I was really lucky I had a great co-host Anne who's a lifelong friend of mine and we are both really interested in careers we came at it from very different perspectives she's got mm. a background in HR and I'm a Gen Y marketer <laughs> so we came at it from very different angles and I think that's what made it so strong um, I, I think um, that for me and that combination of being interested at it at a professional level as a medium loving it personally and then finding a space and a person where we could really create something unique uh, was was really special so um, that's kind of how career and coffee came to be yeah <laughs> and what's interesting also is that you chose to launch as a season rather than as mm. an ongoing which I think makes yeah. it super achievable as well um, because you know you know both you and the co-host will come together, collaborate on um, how you want to structure that storytelling and that narrative um, mm. and to plan that and then knowing that you can then move on to other creative projects after yes. that as well. Was that part of the reasons for choosing a season? A hundred percent, yes. So I think from day one, like we, we really set out with the goal of creating a capsule season. Mm. And I think it's, you know, mostly because of the content we were tackling, which is 
feeling stuck in your career and why. And so yes. when you land on a why like that, I think that has to be the end of the season. Uh, we were tackling very universal kind of timeless themes. And yes. I think we, we had 18 episodes, which was heaps um, over eight weeks. And so we really hit it hard. And, you know, as I, you know, think I mentioned, we, we live in different states. I'm in Melbourne and in Sydney and I'll be moving overseas this year. So logistically, um, it was going to be a little bit tricky to yeah. continue doing it together. But um, I do personally have a new show in the works. I'm thinking about <laughs> a new idea. <laughs> As always, a million things on the go. I'm just so yeah. um, into it. And I think I really want a show concept that I can grow with and I can travel with literally. <laughs> um, yes. And, yeah. you know, to explore how I can take that podcast and create it into potentially an in real life community or a bigger brand or, you know, how that could then evolve um, is really interesting to me. But like to this day, I'm still blown away that Career and Coffee did as well as it did. And, you know, we had like, I think it was like 4,000 people globally tuning in, which is huge um, for a first time podcast. That is. We are so proud of ourselves. So yeah, yeah, thank you. So I think um, an amazing experience and I just can't wait to explore this medium even more. (laughs) Mm. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot and add in another question around the podcast um, because a lot of people often are curious about whether they should start one and and it's from the mindset around growing their personal brand how would you describe the impact the podcast has had on your personal branding Oh my God, it's such a good question. I think um, if you're thinking of starting one, <laughs> beware, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of yes. fun is my yeah. big disclaimer. <laughs> yes. uh, but I think in terms of personal brand, you know, I believe that we are our personal brand in who we are every day. So who you are authentically uh, will come through in that podcast. And I think it means that you can connect with amazing people and it leads to I think amazing opportunities like this interview today is an example of that. I think, you know, you you meet people you never think you're going to meet and that for me was huge. I also think it gave me the ability to show that I'm versatile and that I can do lots of things and that is then shown on the show in a very tangible way. So I think I would recommend if someone's thinking about it, just give it a go. Um, It is so much fun. You will learn so much and uh, you'll have a lot of fun doing it. (laughs) Oh my God, as you were just saying all of that, you know, thing about versatility and showing other skills on the podcast, I was literally having two (laughs) hands up in the air going, yes. Um, oh, amazing. Look, you are such an example of that. I'm so in awe of your journey as well. I've, as we've talked, I just think um, we've both had such a similar experience um, and you're doing so well um, with your podcast. So I just want to get that in there. Well oh, done. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, my numbers are still still small, but I think what keeps me going is is I like that comment around the podcast, you know, travels with you. For me, it's yeah. definitely growing with me. Um, and for me, because I didn't know where, uh, I guess, where this will go in, you know, one year, two year. That's why I'm, I'm just going, <laughs> still going with it um, to see what the possibilities are. And for the stories to shift as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you know, our conversations around um, Gen Y career development perspectives Mm. but I'm also discovering as I meet new people there's other niches um, that I haven't touched and I'm so excited to um, reveal that in due course and um, and then there's a lot of press coverage around reskilling you know Mm. workforce 
And mm. as I see more articles of various quality in their research, that's all I'll say. Um, it's not. It's just motivated me to um, offer a different perspective, mm. and not from any. There's no. I guess I'm. You know, not trying to achieve any media-related objectives. Mm. It's really just to share different um, stories without the pressure of trying to, you know. Like with the pressure of you know producing a TV segment or a newspaper, there's always like <laughs> a spin on it that they're looking for. Um, yeah, and it takes the pressure off and actually say, well, what are the things people really share over a coffee? Mm. Um, you know, if they felt that they were in a safe environment to just share um, what they have to say about, um, yeah, I mean, reskilling uh, in jobs that are being disrupted and what it's yeah. like for different generations about how they're mm. that. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, this is why I really like it um, and I'm just happy for it to organically grow with me um, as the stories evolve. So, um, no, I really like Thank you for sharing. Oh, I believe <laughs> so you parallels are going to do so. Doing, yeah. I know. You're going to do so well and I think, you know, we – we learn and as you were saying like we adjust and our jobs get disrupted and our industries get disrupted but when I think about your journey with your podcast it's so exciting you have so much potential and so many more areas you can kind of jump into and unpack and dig deeper and I think you know I can see a future for you with um you know building your talent stack with PR and learning how to do <laughs> press releases and marketing yourself and you've done such a good job your branding's great and I think that has you know only um, room to learn more and do more and that's just so exciting it's all part of this journey of podcasting life now you've had such an awesome career journey so many big chapters along the way and you are now gearing for an even bigger chapter yet <laughs> what one word you would use to describe 2020 in terms of what you've got lined up Look, I think this is an awesome question and I would say my one word would be travel and I'm putting that in capital letters um, or I would say adventure or yes. new. Um, yes. I always cheat. I always give two or three answers. I'm sorry <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, but I think, look, my 2020, I feel and I know and I want it to look very different to what my day looks like now. Yes. Um, I am planning in late April, I'll be moving to the UK with my husband. Um, oh, and I I know I'm so excited. I'm so scared. I'm so terrified. It's all of the feelings in one. Uh, but I've never lived or worked overseas at the moment. I've done, you know, a, a bit of travel kind of at a recreational fun level, but I've never been based overseas and then worked um, in another country. So that is just so exciting. But again, and all the feels, um, I think, you know, although travel is the big word, I, I want to see the world. I want to expand my perspectives. Um, the fact, you know, as an Aussie for me, the fact that I can be in Europe in two hours blows my mind. So um, that is going to be such a tangible way that I can expand as a person. But professionally, you know, I, I really want to grow my career in ways that maybe I can't do um, in Australia at the moment. And I think for me, it's about really balancing that corporate uh, life that I've had for so many years and maybe adjusting and flexing more into that creative space as we've spoken about in this interview. So finishing my book, pushing for that, really um, trying hard to, to see where I can take that in a big city like London is um, a big kind of overwhelming task when you see it 
at a high level, but I'm hoping to kind of break it down into little chunks when I'm there and um, travel and do different kinds of jobs and um, really kind of work and pursue writing uh, as well. So it's it's going to be huge. I think it's going to be a big learning curve for me. I have no network there at the moment. I have some people that I know, but it's definitely not as well established as my Australian network and I have no family there. So that's going to be a really big thing for me to overcome. But I'm hoping I come out the back of it uh, a really kind of um, adjusted and changed and grown person, which uh, I think will hopefully happen. <laughs> well, I think it's also good timing because of all of the growth mm. that you've had in the lead up to this new chapter that you've already mm. developed that sense of self and you have a clear sense of your own talent stack and where you want to go next with it and how versatile you are in growing into the shoes of oh. all the roles that you've had. So I think, yeah, good timing, Gosh, especially from you so know nice developing that <laughs> resilience and um, self-confidence. I think, no, I'm, I'm really excited for you. Oh, thank you so much, Yishan. I'm, I'm, I'm excited but terrified. So <laughs> equal yeah. parts of the same coin. <laughs> now, I just have one more question. Mm. What is yeah. the one thing that you'd like the audience to take away from today, especially where they would like to combine a creative passion to shape mm. into a career opportunity? What's the one thing you'd like people to take away? Oh, gosh, big question. Um, I'm going to cheat as I have in a few questions. I'm going to give you two. <laughs> um, yep. So I, I think, you know, really the first one is, and we've obviously touched on it in our chat today, but I think we have to be honest with ourselves and yes. we have to be open with others, particularly when it comes to our passions. I think be honest with yourself, be open with others. And again, I am no saint in this category. I'm still working on it. It scares me um, to be so open about it, particularly when you've been doing it kind of quietly as a hobby for so long. It's often quite daunting to bring it out of the shadows and into the light. But I think that's really important and I hope that's a really key takeaway that uh, your listeners today can hear from me. I think, you know, if you're in a role or an industry and you're not enjoying it or you are kind of, you know, really needing to reflect on that natural skill set and what your passions actually are. Because I think to be honest with yourself and open, you need that self-reflection. You need to tap into it. And so, you know, for me, it's been this realisation that I'm naturally conceptual and creative and I'm a strong writer and I love storytelling. And I have to get confident with that narrative so that I can be honest with myself and I can be open with others. And I, I don't mean that in the sense that it can solve your problems overnight. You know, having this realisation won't make you love a job that you don't like overnight. But mm. what it gives you is that guiding compass and that true kind of sense of self that you can kick back into when you're losing that definition of success in what you're doing. And so at a holistic level, I think it's really important. I think the second thing, and it's kind of connected, it's very connected to the first point, is when it comes to our passions, you actually have to do something. <laughs> you, you actually have to do the work. And yes. I think it's, yeah, we're all guilty of this. I think it's so easy to tell ourselves that we don't have time or, you know, our passions just can't fit into our day and our job is consuming our lives. Well, not creative enough. Or, yeah. yeah. Like, and I'm guilty. I, I say that often, but there is so much time outside of work if you make the time. And that's been a big learning for me in the last few years that 
you know, you can take a break from social media. You can not watch TV for two nights a week. You can get up an hour earlier. There is always time to find the time for what you love and what you're passionate about. And you may need to do that in parallel with your corporate job. Um, I don't think anyone has the luxury, uh, not anyone that I know, um, to not work in a corporate or a full-time job. So you're going to have to find a way to make those two things marry together. But I've come to learn that I don't see my career as being only my corporate job. Mm. And that's a realisation. It's taken me a long time to get there, but it's not. You know, my career is everything I do. It's my podcast. It's my writing. It's marketing. It's all of my transferable skills. It's how I engage with people. It's my entire personal brand. And I think what's amazing is when you pursue it. And in my case, you know, I'll take podcasting as an example. It opens up so many opportunities. You know, as I've said, this interview is one of those examples, but you meet amazing people, you have amazing conversations, you get offers, you get jobs. And that is how you're going to shift the dial in whatever you're doing and whatever you want to do. So I think in a nutshell, the big thing for me uh, to, I hope, um, share with your audience and the big takeaway is be real with yourself, be open with others and then actually do something. <laughs> so I, love um, it. I, I hope that's useful. <laughs> You're just so, so great with words, Amelia. I love how oh, you just stop. wrapped that up. <laughs> now, where can the trick is to read a lot, do a lot of reading. Yes. <laughs> well, I need to do more fiction because that is one of the things I oh. put on the bottom of the list when my nonfiction gets list is so long um now where can people connect with you online and stay in touch with your you know your new chapter as well and to keep up with what you're doing it'd be so nice i think if anyone listens and they'd love to connect i'd love to hear from you i um uh, my linkedin is the best place to kind of catch me and connect with me um i am not on any other social media anymore so as part of that advice I just gave, I actually gave up personal social media. So um, LinkedIn's the only channel that I have. So mm. just search my full name. Um, you'll see me um, connect to send me a message or feel free to email me. Um, it's just my full name. So amelia.novakovic at gmail.com. Uh, and I'm sure maybe we can chuck that in the show notes. Uh, but please reach out. I'd love to hear from you and connect. Oh, thanks, Amelia. I really enjoyed our chat today. Oh, thank you so much, Ishan. It's been such a pleasure. And I'm, you know, so excited for us to have our next catch up. And um, I'm so excited for everything you're doing. And I'm so grateful that I've got to be a part of it today. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. We'll speak soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review on iTunes and let me know if this has helped you in any way in shaping your career goals. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can find me at Build Your Talent Stack.